Warning, the following podcast has been classified as insanely lucrative. Listener discretion is advised. I've got an issue that I ran into, something I haven't seen, um, and I wanted to run it by you and see if you know anything about this. So I'm going to put you on the spot. You ready? (laughs) All right. Your attention, please. Please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates, and I will be your host. And this is the show where we talk about Amazon FBA private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show, AMPM podcast. As a matter of fact, I just got back from the 2016 NASA Racing Championship where I placed on the podium, it was cool. And while I was having fun on the racetrack, I was making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. In today's episode, I'm gonna be talking to Mike McClary. He's a guy that crushes it. He sells $2 million per year with Amazon, and I met him at a conference and had to have him on the show. He's gonna talk about how he handles hijackers. He's gonna be talking about sales price bans. Uh, We talk trademarks, infringements, how to create a brand page on Amazon to drive traffic to it so you can actually see uh, what kind of traffic you're getting, setting up a Shopify site, all kinds of good stuff. So let's not wait any longer. Let's get right into it. Hello, everybody. I am here with Mike McClary. Mike has been selling on Amazon for three and a half years and was able to quit his corporate job as a finance director within a year of doing so. And he now does $2 million a year in sales as both an FBA seller and a vendor for Amazon. Mike's been a mentor and trainer for the Amazing Selling Machine program. He's done uh, training at multiple mastermind events and now has two courses for Amazon sellers at amazing.com. Amazon Traffic Blitz and Advanced Product Marketing on Amazon believe those are the names. Mike, how are you doing? Doing great. Uh, good to talk to you, Manny, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, welcome to the show. So I met you at the Amazing.com event. We were both speakers there, and uh, I saw you up there talking about some ninja stuff, and I'm like, man, we got to have you on the show. <laughs> I tell you what, it, it was fun watching your presentation, too, because it's always good to uh, get someone else's take on the same business and realize that there's more than one way to skin the cat, which is a great one of the great things about this business. I have a question. Before we get into all the, the general stuff uh, that I normally talk about, I've got an issue that I ran into, something I haven't seen, um, and I wanted to run it by you and see if you know anything about this. So I'm going to put sure. you on the spot. You ready? <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I ran into this problem um, this morning, actually. I noticed that on one of my main products, the buy box is gone. Okay. So um, there's a a hijacker on there from Thailand. Um, and I, I just realized looking back at the dates and stuff, they've been on this, uh, on my product for about uh, two weeks. Okay. So mm-hmm. if you try to go, uh, and order the product, it says it's going to be, uh, about a month before you get it because they're in Thailand. Um, their price point is about $8 less than my price point, but they also have shipping. They're not prime like I am. And their shipping price is about $8. So it brings it back up. If you add the two, it brings it back up to my price point. They're technically one cent less than me. 
But there's no buy box for them, no buy box for me. And if you do a search for the product, it doesn't even show like the prime logo next to it. It's really weird. So I reduced my price point by a few cents to get it below their price point and nothing has changed. It's still, there's still no, no buy box. So anyways, I sent them a cease and desist today uh, and I'm wondering what's going on. Have you seen anything like that before? Yeah, yeah, I have seen it. Uh, fortunately, it has not been happening as much as it did in the past. Um, there's, you know, there's of course a buy box algorithm, and usually FBA sellers have a huge advantage. However, uh, like in your situation, when you see an overseas seller drastically reducing their price so that even with shipping, it's still less than what yours is, that's when they can get the buy box. And uh, I'm betting this person also has pretty good seller feedback. They, that that, actually, they don't. That's the thing. They have terrible feedback. It's like really? 33%. And here's the thing, uh, just so that I'm clear, they don't have the buy box. Nobody has the buy box. There's just a thing that says uh, available from other sellers. So you have to click that and then it shows me and it shows them. And then there's like a little add to cart next to each one of them. That's what I've never seen. Somebody usually has the buy box. Wow. So I'll tell you the one thing that I would do. And I actually got this tip um, from someone down at, in Austin during the same event you and I, these are some sellers that from Japan mm-hmm. and they were talking about the, I guess the, the sales price band that every product has, that has, has a low price and a high price that you have to be in between that in order to get the buy box. And of course that updates daily. And if for some reason no one has the buy box, what's happening is Amazon thinks that you're both too high for some reason. Mm-hmm. Why that is um, that, you know, they, they don't just look at prices on Amazon. They look at prices for your product somewhere else. So it doesn't even matter if you're selling it somewhere else. But if someone else has this listed on eBay or any other site that Amazon looks at, mm-hmm. they incorporate that into this this sales price band that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they're not giving the buy box. If you contact Amazon, tell them you're not only the seller, but you're the manufacturer and you'd like them to adjust that band that to lower it a little bit, then you should get the buy box back. Uh, they've told me that every single time they've done that when they've contacted them, and you mentioned those words that you need to find the right person first and, and uh, sell a support and tell them you need to adjust the sales band and tell them your manufacturer, they should do that for you and that'll allow you to get the buy box back first off. So are you talking to the catalog department? You can be in transfer there or are you talking to just a yeah, standard yeah, rep it, over it's, at- it's, it's the catalog department you need to talk to. The they're gonna control the pricing on that. Um, okay. And then secondly, what I'd also do is I make two purchases anytime that there is a hijacker on the account, especially when there's some kind of weird issue with getting the buy box. Now, I don't really care sometimes if you know you have hijackers that are shipping from overseas and they're never gonna get the buy box because no one's gonna buy from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they do get the buy box, what I do, I make a purchase from our FBA account. So as a seller, I make the test purchase and I immediately open a case with Amazon telling them that we purchased a product where the manufacturer we know that they are not an authorized seller of the product and you've already you know, done the purchase, the test purchase that's required of you. Then I also go in and I make a purchase for my personal account as well. Uh, that way you can get another sale or another product coming in so that you're gonna be able to further report them with your personal account too, letting them know that, hey, as a normal seller, I bought this and this product was not the advertised product. Um, I like to do it on both ends as both a, a buyer and a seller, uh, just kind of, so when those products do come in, you let Amazon know that this company is not really doing something ethical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also what they're gonna do is when they see two people doing that, uh, usually the seller's gonna back off. So if they see they got a couple sales, or a couple purchases coming in, your cease and desist letter is gonna look a little more intimidating to them. Yeah. Um, when we've done that, 
We've gotten the buybacks back usually within a day. They'll, uh, I think what you'll find is if you just sent the cease and desist, they're probably not going to reply until tonight because of the time zone difference. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but if they do see an order coming through also, if you made a test purchase and they get the cease and desist, nine out of ten times they're going to pull their listing, their their offer off there, and you will get the buy box back. Right. That's what I've seen in the past. Um, sometimes you, they, they don't care. Uh, I'm thinking yeah. this is one of those ones that's not going to care because looking at their seller feedback rating, it looks, yep. it looks pretty b- bad. Um, but I was wondering, you know, because I saw this, I saw this actually on, or saw this particular company on my listing a while back and I'm like, ah, you know what? They're overseas. They're in Thailand. And if you actually try to buy it, it says it's going to take a month, right? It's like November 17th or something like that. So mm-hmm. like nobody's going to want to do it. So I didn't really care, you know? Um, right. But I have a feeling, and I don't know if the algorithm works this way, that because I've let them stand so long since they're actually technically able to sell for the last two weeks on my on my account because I did nothing, um, that Amazon's still averaging their sales price. They're not counting the shipping. And I, and, and I actually have a story as to uh, why shipping really mm-hmm. doesn't matter. But they're seeing their price point at, you know, like uh, six, no, almost seven, I think it's almost $8, $7 and some cents less than mine. And I think that they, uh, they're figuring what you just talked about, this buy ban. And they're saying, okay, well, this has been running for two weeks now. So the average brought it down. And it's uh, pulled me out of that buy box. Um, yep, absolutely. And, and the reason I'm saying this is because that, uh, about one minute ago, <laughs> exactly one minute ago, I pulled up my listing just before we got on this call. I changed the price point. I dropped it about, uh, what did I drop? I dropped it about $4 just to see what happened. And sure enough, I've got the buy box back. So, And, and you're right. Sounds like that band has been lowered now too. Yeah, yeah. So I've got to get them off. That's interesting. And I also was wondering because there's there's similar products now. I've always had the highest price, and I, I've been okay with that um, mm-hmm. because of the uh, warranties and things that I offer. But I'm wondering if Amazon's algorithm can also detect things visually, like through you know, like Google Images and stuff can can detect things. And if they see things that are almost exactly the same, and they're looking like at the price points of all these products, um, if they say, well, you know what, there's you know five other products that are look pretty much look identical in terms of the images. So um, we're going to use that price point. I don't know if they're that advanced, if they've gotten to that level or not, or if it's more the, uh, you know, the, the way we just you talked know, about it. Yeah, you know, I don't know that, but I do know that when they look at other metrics, they've even stated before that they look at your product metrics compared to similar products. So for example, anyone who's ever had a product that has been temporarily taken down. I don't know if you've seen that yet, where let's say you've had a higher number of returns than usual. Amazon pauses your listing. They create that little yellow checkbox warning sign. Mm -hmm. They allow you to actually set it back active because they're just giving you a warning, say, hey, um, your product's been returned and based upon these comments, we think there may be some issues with it. And they'll even say, and based upon other similar products, you have a higher return rate than them. So I think you're right. I think they are starting to take into account other products, not just yours, but other products that are similar for other things. So it wouldn't surprise me to see them doing that with this also, with yeah. damages. Yeah, it's crazy. So anyways, it's funny. I, I just started the the podcast. It wasn't on there. And uh, I decided to refresh while we were chatting and, and it popped up. It looks like the algorithm or the update kicked in. And that $4 mark brings me down to whatever the level is. So I'm going to have to look into this a little bit more after the podcast and and see what's going on. So, you know, and, and one last tip to Manny is when you're emailing them or with your cease and desist, sometimes I will request of them to send me a photograph of their product that clearly shows the brand name and packaging. Mm-hmm. And that almost, again, almost immediately lets them know uh, that you are the true manufacturing brand owner and they know they can't deliver that to you. 
Yeah. Um, so that usually kind of scares them off too. Have you, um, if it's taking an hour, or sorry, not an hour, a, a month for the product to actually arrive and you place your, your test order from them and they're not responding to your emails, have you had to wait typically the full amount of time before you can I've actually I've never get had it go that long, no, because I'll actually go in and I'll, when I log my complaint with Amazon even before the test buy, I will go in and update that case and let them know that I've requested multiple times for images of the packaging and that we've never sold a product to any company in that country and we are the brand owner and we know it's not legitimate. And if you keep following up with that every day or so, letting know that the other seller is not responding to your requests, mm-hmm. um, I, I've had it the most I think I had was maybe three to four days before they actually took it down and Amazon took action on it themselves. And so you, I mean, is it pointless to even order the, the test by then or is that nope. just, that's just there so that you can tell Amazon you did it then? Yep. Absolutely. It's okay. not pointless. And what will happen is that buyer, that seller has to make a decision whether or not to ship you a counterfeit product and prove your case or cancel your order and even, you know, kind of prove your case and lower their seller metrics too. Yeah. They're in a lose-lose situation. That's a cool idea about asking for the uh, the photo. I like that. Yep. That's we cool. do that every time and it, it's worked every time. Okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, jumping from that issue to the big change that Amazon rolled out with incentivized reviews and not allowing them, how's that uh, changed your launch strategy, Mike? You know, so I think there's like two things to kind of keep in mind here. And this is, you know, the question on everyone's mind right now. Uh, The first is that we shouldn't freak out about it. And I think most people after the policy came out, it's kind of like calmed down a little bit. They're not freaking out a little bit. But the one thing I always want to tell people is um, don't immediately go down that path of thinking, here's the new policy. How do I get around it and game the system? That I see a lot of people asking those questions, and I think that's the wrong mindset to have here. I mean, who's our biggest partner in this business? It's Amazon. None of us would be there without them. So I always want to keep Amazon happy. So instead of asking myself, how do I trick Amazon or beat them at their own game with this? I think the right way to, to question this to yourself is, how do I give Amazon what they want? You know, what they want is a better marketplace for their customers. So how do we do that? And you're, of course, you're going to have a whole bunch of people that are either going to do one of two things. They're either going to continue down the path they were and they're not going to care. They're going to keep getting, you know, try to get as many free reviews as they can and totally violate the the policy. There'll, There'll be a small number like that who literally they're going to justify in their mind. Well, you know what? Because I've tweaked the word a little bit in my email or changed my Facebook ad a little bit, I'm not violating Amazon's policy. So I'm going to keep doing it and, you know, kind of screw Amazon. That's the wrong attitude. You're going to have those people and they won't be around very long. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to have this other group of people. And this is why I think this is actually, Manny, this is a huge opportunity for all of us. You have another group of people who are going to be paralyzed. They're not going to want to do anything. They're going to be scared so much that if they do anything, if they give away another product, if they even do their normal follow-ups asking regular customers for a review because they may have used a 10% off coupon, um, you're going to have these people that are paralyzed to do anything because they don't want to risk losing their Amazon business. Right. And it's with that group, actually with both those groups, there's a huge opportunity here because you know, if we're all racing – like we were in the past. I mean, in the past, everyone was racing towards getting the most reviews, giving away the most products in exchange for those reviews, trying to outdo your competition. Everyone's racing, trying to keep up with everyone. If you have a large group now that are kind of standing still and doing nothing because they're paralyzed, all we got to do is kind of walk slowly forward and we're going to pass them up. So I think that, yeah, you know, if people just kind of step back and say, I want to give Amazon what they want. I want to give them legitimate reviews on our products and still go forward with product launches and good advertising and good marketing and great follow-up email campaigns. 
I think that this is going to be the best opportunity we've had on Amazon in a long time because we've we've really cleaned the plate. Um, we've also, you know, gotten rid of, you know, even the game for a lot of people out there so that now those who are smart and do things the right way and give Amazon what they want are going to find it much easier now to move forward and grow, grow a sustainable business. Yeah, that makes sense. And so people shouldn't be worried about um, offering discounts. That's fine, guys. You can offer discounts. You can do whatever you want, but you just you're not doing it in exchange for reviews. You're not going to them saying, hey, I'll give you this coupon if you review. You're just doing the normal process. You're giving them whatever you're going to be doing uh, or whatever you're giving, and then just following up with a a very solid uh, follow-up sequence of emails. But um, So let me ask you this then, Mike. If you're not doing that now, obviously you don't want to get in trouble by doing that. How are you generating your initial reviews? What's your launch strategy uh, for getting initial reviews going strongly? So we still do two things. Um, The first is that, you know, the longer you've been around, of course, the more of an existing customer base you have. And so we're still doing launches of our existing products and giving them at a very big discount to customers. And we're just going to follow up with them, you know, in our normal sequence, whether it's a few days later after they receive it and then another week later after they've tried it, we're going to follow up with them in order to get those initial reviews. So we're not going to be able to go out there nowadays like we were in the past and kick off a big blitz or a launch knowing we already have 10, 20, 50, or 100 reviews. We're actually going to go out there and start doing a much smaller scale, sustainable, maybe you know, 10, 15, 20 products a day, knowing that we'll slowly get those reviews in that we want. And our bar now is, is lowered, and the bar for everyone is lowered. Like before, we used to think, again, we had to have at least double digits or whatever, you know, maybe 20 reviews before you had to do a launch. We're actually starting our launches now with less reviews. If we just have a couple of reviews, you know, we've given away some products to, to our customers, follow up normally to get just a couple of reviews. Once we know we have a couple of reviews, we'll kick off our blitz now. Whereas before we may have waited till we have, you know, uh, double digits or more reviews. Are you going after these customers by doing some kind of email append and then or using the email append service and then contacting them that way? Or are you contacting them directly through something like a feedback genius um, on a new product SKU or what is it? What's the process there? Nope. Great question. So we do it two different ways. Uh, one, we have an existing customer list of our customers that we've built over time. So is this a list whole, that Amazon gives you? Is that what you're um, talking about? No, so so we've done this through inserts. Okay. So we've been doing inserts and we want people to register. And we, we always say register to activate your warranty when our warranty really is active, but we want them to register so we have an open line of communication. So we've built up a list of, you know, several, you know, maybe close to a thousand now customers or a little over that, that if we launch a new product, we're able to send them all, you know, a, a launch notification email. Hey, great news. You're our most valued customers. We're just launching a product. We'd love for you to get this nearly free. Mention nothing for reviews. So we've been building this over time, Manny. Now, um, we've also done in the past, we have a separate list and we keep these separate because I kind of think of them in two different ways. We have done an email append list and we launched that to them also. But we're just saying, you know, we found that the people that have signed up on your website who are very aware of your brand name, we get a much better open rate and take rate. And then the people that we use through an email append service, we don't quite get that open you know, rate and that append rate, that uh, I guess that take rate on our offers. But hopefully once those people in that list do buy a product, then they will, you know, sign up for our regular list. And, and it's really that that 
list on your own website that people continue to sign up for to get on your mailing list, to get offers. That's really the big list I think people need to continue to build nowadays. Yeah, I would imagine that makes sense too because if somebody's taking the time to actually fill out a an insert, an insert card mm-hmm. for a warranty or whatever, that's a much, I guess it's a more targeted customer than somebody who's just ordering on Amazon um, and probably doesn't want to be contacted. Uh, so, right. so you're going to get a higher response rate. We still do Facebook ads too. So we still go out there and do, I mean, I'm not going to call them cold leads because we do some very, you know, very good targeting, I like to think. We're looking for people who are definitely interested in our niche of products. We look for those that are buying. So for one of the things that, that's really interesting is that, um, you know, through the use of Amazon marketing services, we have a brand page. And on that brand page, you get some really cool customer demographics. So we're able to see, you know, the gender of people buying from us and also the age of people buying from us. So when we go out there and launch a Facebook ad for a new campaign, even before, you know, we're just trying to get some reviews without asking. We're just kind of announcing this launch, just like we're doing to our email list. We'll create ads targeting that demographics. We know which gender buys which product more. We know the age group that is most likely to buy. And then we target them through their, you know, their, their different likes and dislikes on, on Facebook. And we're finding we're getting a pretty good result right there. Those, that, that right alone is a pretty good targeting mechanism. If you're able to use that demographic data you have on a brand page and tie that into interest in Facebook, you can get some really good takes on customers and clicking your product ads and and getting products for a launch. Yeah, do you find that's better than actually importing your customer data and targeting those former customers through Facebook? Um, we've only just started doing that and we're actually, what you just mentioned is working even better. So, I mean, what a brilliant way that, and now I'm kind of upset that Amazon took away the phone numbers because I know that the match rate is going to be much less. I think we're getting close to 85, 90% from our existing customers. So now that's going to go down, but we've started just doing that in the past month and a half. And, you know, we haven't done a lot of launches in the past month and a half, so I don't really have great data, but from what I have seen, yeah, that group of customers is almost as good as our list of customers who've signed up on our, on our website. Okay, excellent. Hey guys, Manny Coates here. If you've been following my podcast, you know I'm a huge fan of the Helium 10 tools for Amazon sellers. I only use the best tools out there and the Helium 10 suite of tools are in my opinion best in class. Now, just because I'm the founder of Helium 10 doesn't mean that's all I use, right? I go where the money's at and if there's a tool on the market that I haven't made and that tool helps me make money, I'll use it and I'll talk about it here on the podcast and I'll even link to it in our tools section at the ampmpodcast.com website. But I can honestly say that there's no no place that I know of where you can get all the important tools that an FBA seller would need in one place, where the tools work with one another to help you save time and make you a lot of money. Now, the Helium 10 tools have had a huge hand in helping me go from zero to over a million dollars in Amazon sales in just 10 months. Okay, keyword research, listing optimization, and a super tool called 5K Checker that makes sure that the words in my listings, okay, the front end and the back end, are actually indexed by Amazon. And guys, if you're not checking this, you're leaving money on the table for sure because Amazon is always tweaking their search engine. Okay, so I always use 5K Checker every single month on every single one of my listings to ensure that my listings are still indexed for my keywords and that I'm still pulling in customers like crazy. If you're a longtime listener, you know I'll never use a tool unless it can save me a lot of time or it's gonna make me a lot of money. So I'm confident Helium 10 will do this for you guys, all right? There's a money back guarantee, so there's no risk. Check it out, head over to helium10.com. Helium10.com, that's H-E-L-I-U-M 10.com. We've had people write in that say, you know, can I use uh, an email service like Feedback Genius? Um, 
pick, there's a lot of companies out there. That's just one that I use, so I keep bringing it up. But um, to use that to contact previous customers or customers that have previously ordered uh, product A, and now product B is something that's very similar to product A, so they email them through that system um, saying- so- you know, so that's the one thing. I'm not going to say it's right or wrong. I'm saying that uh, we haven't done that. So I always feel that there's one rule that Amazon's had in the past, and they've always said that their internal email system shouldn't be used for promoting anything. And I think that's kind of a gray area. You, you are providing value to a customer because you're telling them another product that complements their product, but you kind of are promoting and you know another product of your also so we personally don't do that we just use feedback genius primarily for giving you know cutting off problems at the beginning you know if we know that our customers have certain issues with products we want to make sure they have an faq of our product before it arrives at the doorstep and then following up get the reviews we don't really send any kind of announcements or promotions through feedback genius or any other tool okay yeah that's kind of the way i feel um even if it's very very uh similar to the product if you're selling candles and then you've got a new candle holder that goes for those candles you're still promoting a product and amazon says you you shouldn't so it's better to build your list outside of amazon like you're saying and then just email them directly and and drive them to your Amazon page, your new product. So, yeah, you have it perfectly. Okay, cool. So you're doing two million. Are you still currently doing two million a year? Is that where you guys are at right now? Yeah, yeah, we're actually a little over that when you add together the different places we're selling it, uh, whether it's the vendor side, FBA side, on our e-commerce side, and also in Europe. Okay. So it's it's yeah, it's well over two million. I haven't you know kind of looked at it lately, but yeah, our sales are. Um, here, I'll tell you an interesting thing. So we were. We were almost at the exact same sales rate as last year, this year. And of course, I want to be higher this year than last year, and any business wants to be. But we had a strategy this year that was really important to us, and that was going wide and expanding. Mm-hmm. So as, you know, instead of launching a lot, you know, a ton more products here in the US, we spent a lot of time launching our own e-commerce site and also launching our business in Europe. Knowing that that focus taken off is, you know, going to, you know, our sales may stay a little flat here in the U.S., but at the end of 2016, we're going to be really positioned much better than where we were last year. And then we can start ramping up things on all of our sales platforms. Yeah. So uh, Europe, your sales there, is it as you expected, less, better? What are you thinking? It is a little better than I've expected because we've what we've mainly done in Europe is we're only in in UK and Germany right now. We haven't launched our products in you know Italy, France, and also Spain yet. We're just sticking to those two countries right now, and with very very little effort, it seems that our sales are kind of driving themselves. Uh, we're not using Amazon marketing services. We're only using sponsored product ads over there, and those are working out great for us. Um, it, it seems like it's almost. I'm not going to say free sales right now compared to our sales in the U.S., but it's definitely very low effort incremental sales. We're probably doing, I don't know, maybe, you know, $15,000, $20,000 a month over in Europe right now. And we haven't really done anything other than get our infrastructure set up, you know, getting all of our product listings copied over. We still have inventory we haven't sent over there yet. But the, the few products we're selling over there are doing really well with very little effort. It's it's definitely been better than our expectations. Great. Would you say your month-to-month profits uh, on Amazon are growing um, currently, or are you seeing that you're being squeezed as, as time goes on? So I'll tell you what's interesting is we were definitely being squeezed the first six months of this year. 
um, it seemed that was like one of the toughest times that we had. You know, here we are focusing on expanding in the other markets mm-hmm. and we're seeing our sales in the U.S. either flat or going down a little bit. And it was, you know, it's really kind of hard to, to stomach and thinking, you know, are we, do we have the right strategy? Should we really be focusing on expanding with our e-commerce site and going in Europe or should we double down and really focus in the U.S.? So we saw that happening definitely in the U.S., Manny, and uh, I think a lot of people have seen that too because of all the competition out there. However, now that the summer has come to a close, we are definitely in the ramp up towards the holiday season. I think it's kind of paying off for us now. So um, it was a rough six months, but things have picked up in the last couple of months here. And I think that, you know, even though uh, I mentioned we may be flat in the U.S. compared to last year, I think we're actually going to surpass that if the trends that I'm seeing already in October continue through the rest of the year. Awesome. How long ago has it been since you launched a brand new product? Oh, it was, I'd say, middle of August. Okay, pretty recently. How's that one going? Um, It's going good. You know, we're up to page two on the search rankings for the product right now, and it's in a pretty competitive niche. Um, It's doing just under 10 units a day. So it's uh, for me, that's that's a really good, you know, a good launch for a product that we didn't know whether it was going to do very well. You know, we our launch strategy now is we don't necessarily go out there and do the micro analysis on every single product that we did before when trying to pick you know, those few winners. We're trying to complement our brand. So this wasn't something that we expected the big, a big seller mm-hmm. to be a the big selling product. However, um, you know, we use the same launch strategy we used before. We didn't spend a lot of time on it because we have it pretty much automated now. Um, and it's doing, you know, like I said, close to 10 units a day, uh, which is just great. It's, it's incremental revenue. Um, we're up there in the search rankings where we, you know, pretty good second page, like to get on that first page. It's kind of hard to do that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and another interesting thing that I've seen is that since that announcement from Amazon, Manny, I guess on October 4th or 5th, where it was, our sales started ramping up after that too. I think a lot, seeing a lot of the big sellers who had definitely had a lot of the reviews removed, Mm-hmm. Had, we've been the benefit of that because we didn't do a ton of that in the past. Our products have kicked up and we've seen a good 20, 30% increase since that announcement was made. Nice. You know what I've seen? I, I find it kind of ironic, actually. Um, so Amazon makes the announcement, right? So people can't, uh, my, my competitors can't use these incent mm-hmm. networks. And before, when you typed in my brand name, I was it. I was the only one that came up. After they made this announcement, now you type in my brand name. And I see all of these competitors are jumping on there. I think they're scrambling and they're like, okay, our sales are down. We, we, we can't do this. So what are we going to do? Let's start using brand names. So I'm going to have to, uh, you know, I've, I've been the guy that has fought an IP intellect, you know, an intellectual property infringement case before. And it was, it was a mm-hmm. bogus one and, I, and it only affected me for a few days, but now I've got to reverse this. I think I'm going to do my first <laughs> mass blast <laughs> IP infringement case with Amazon because there's like nine of them using my my brand now, my trademark brand. So I've got to figure out what's going on there. You know, our, our IP is our most valuable asset in this business. So definitely defend your brand and your property, your intellectual property. Yeah. Have you ever had to do that? Had you, uh, outside of a hijacker, have you actually had to go in uh, through the, I guess it's what, the, the copyright department to actually get someone removed because they're using your brand name as a keyword? Uh, not as a keyword, no. We've actually had to people, we had to uh, sue a company um, and we settled out of court for them using our packaging wording and instruction manual wording. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. very bad. So, but <laughs> not, not the same thing. But in the end, um, they had nothing to stand on. They'd copied everything verbatim from yeah. our products, which is just a dumb thing to do. As they, far as the keywords, I, I know that one thing that's definitely against Amazon's terms of service is using a competitor's ASIN inside of the search terms. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about using brand names if they uh, how well Amazon themselves will enforce that. Yeah, they enforce it pretty 
pretty harshly with me. Um, Excellent. I, what ended up happening, it was a, a really weird scenario with me. Um, I, there was something that, that happened with my, my account um, where it was locked. Um, not, it wasn't really affecting me, but I couldn't adjust the, the account. It was, uh, it had to do with brand registry. So I went mm-hmm. to the catalog department and they said, oh yeah, for some reason they, they locked your account. You can't change the title. I'll switch it back. So they switched it and then I was able to edit stuff. But when they did that, it looks like they reverted, like instead of just turning off the thing, they have to maybe revert to an earlier version where it wasn't locked. And by doing that, they went way back to, um, to a version where I had like 5,000 characters on the back end. I knew it wasn't the new one because all my new stuff has like 2,000 characters. And I didn't even realize this until I had an infringement. And I went back and looked at my account. And I'm like, why are there 5,000 characters back here? And it's all old data, old keywords, a lot of brands that I had in there that no longer were in the, the newer version. Um, and sure enough, the company that filed the IP infringement, they said, you're using our brand. And I'm like, I'm not using their, their brand. And I go in and I look and there it is on the back end keywords. It was just one word. Their brand, their, their brand name is was one word, and it was. It's not a big. Nobody knows who this brand is, but it's it's their brand name. It's registered, um, right? So it got me. Uh, it, it pulled my immediately. I was no longer for sale. It was blocked. So uh, they they do. At least in my case, they were uh, definitely. Uh, shooting first, you know, asking questions yeah. later. Um, well, I do know that Amazon takes uh, trademarks and copyright very seriously. If you ever have an issue with it, with another competitor that's doing something unethical, if you can tie it into a trademark or copyright issue, Amazon will take action almost immediately. It's it's kind of odd because when it comes to a patent issue, generally they kind of throw their hands up and say, you guys sell a lot of court. We don't want to get involved in patents. But they do take brand marking and co- you know copywriting very, very very seriously. Yeah, that's going to be a whole podcast episode when I do that because it's going to be interesting. And it's going to be right during the holiday season, so it's going to be kind of nightmarish for some people. <laughs> so, okay, question. Um, you were talking about your launch strategy, uh, your product that you just launched in August. Um, since everything has changed recently, what's your criteria now for selecting a good product when you're when something that you want to launch? So, our main criteria now, I think after you get your brand started off when you want to, you know, you have maybe two or three good selling products. We like to build out and round out our brand, kind of fill in the gaps for for products that uh, we think our customers will enjoy. So we don't, we no longer really look at the BSR for, you know, our competitors that are out there. We don't look at the reviews are going up against. We want to make sure that if a customer who likes our main products is, you know, they're definitely interested in our niche, are we going to have another product that fits their need and grow our brand? So we don't, as of right now, we're not really doing the, the typical, you know, go out there and find a top selling product in the top 1,000, whatever it is, and make sure the number of views and competition is no longer, you know, insurmountable. Um, ours is more filling in the brand. Um, and so when, the way we do our launch strategy then hasn't changed at all. Whether we're launching a product that we think is going to be a huge seller or where it's going to be one that's kind of filling in the gaps, we do the exact same thing. We, we go out there, we have a very small launch, like I mentioned before, where we're just kind of giving away the product enough to get a few reviews. Maybe after a week or so, we'll naturally, with our email follow-ups, have a few reviews. How low do you go on these giveaways? When you say we're kind of giving them away, what percentage off are you doing? Oh, we're still doing 90% off. Okay, all right. Yeah, we're doing a very big giveaway. Uh, in my perspective, we're not gonna do anything for a penny or for a quarter like that, but you know, selling something for a couple bucks up towards you know four or five bucks, I think as long as it looks like a good deal to a customer, it's gonna be, you know, it, it's gonna really be something that they're going to want. And I still don't think that Amazon has any issues with that as long as you're clearly not tying it back into a review. Um, you know, companies have been doing this for a long time. 
Companies go out there and give away tons of product, been doing it for 50, 75 years. Um, that's not the issue. It's when you're trying to do that intentionally to get a review. Right. And are you looking so, for certain volumes or anything in, in products? Because you said you don't look at BSR or anything. How do you know or how do you determine, you know, this has got enough sales volume that we actually want to create a product around it? Well, so we, we'd have two different ways of looking at it. One, if it's just an ancillary product to kind of build out our brand, we don't care. Uh, we don't care if we sell only one or a couple a day or maybe, you know, two or three a week because we're growing the brand and we want to make sure that our brand, all the products in our brand are going to look like a complete, you know, product catalog to any potential buyers down the road if they decide to sell. However, if we are looking to really source and launch a product that we want to make money off of, I'll tell you one thing I don't really look at anymore, Manny. I don't necessarily look at the profit margin, the percentage. I look at dollar-wise. So, you know, we started off selling some very cheap products in the beginning, products that we sold for, you know, $12, $15. And our profit margins were really good percentage-wise. You know, we're getting a 35 40% profit margin. But what I found, and I think this is kind of just common sense I'm probably saying here, is that it takes a lot of work to make a sizable amount of money off of a very cheap product. So the number one thing we're looking at now, Manny, is a product that has a very high selling price. And I'm talking a product that's going to sell $40 or more. Uh-huh. Because even if our profit margin in the end only ends up being maybe even 15, 20%, that's still a good dollar wise margin for us. And it's much more worth our while because the more dollars you make off of each sale, um, that's really where we see the biggest gains in our revenue and cash flow. Right. And are these products typically bigger and heavier when you're getting into those price points? Or are you finding stuff that's small that still fits within that price point? You know, we still stick around, you know, one to two pounds, mm-hmm. um, but we have one upwards towards, you know, four or five pounds now because what we found is there's just less competition there. So many people have ingrained that they have to have a product that's, a, you know, less than a pound. But as far as we're concerned, if the profit, mar- well, if the numbers add up and you're making the amount you want, regardless of your shipping costs, it's still a good deal. Right. Um, the one thing that I think we we made a, a, a big mistake in our early product, we took into account the shipping costs from our overseas supplier, factored it in. I think the price per unit was like four or five bucks a unit, which is you know pretty expensive for a product at the time that was selling for twenty nine dollars. But what it didn't take into account is. Well, you know what? When you then ship that product from our warehouse, because we have our own warehouse, to Amazon, well, that's going to cost more, too, because they're heavier weight. And then when you sell that product off of Amazon to a customer, you're going to get hit for a bigger shipping charge and handling fee, you know, that extra weight handling fee. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have all that factored. By the end, we were paying probably $10 or $11 in just Amazon FBA fees, not even including their percentage, because we only looked at the shipping for overseas. There's only three parts to it. Shipping to get it in the United States, then to get it to the Amazon and into the customer. That's where you got to, you just got to make sure you do the numbers correctly and make sure you take all that into account. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest problems with uh, a lot of new sellers is they do not factor in all the costs. When you factor in the shipping, you factor in returns, the advertising costs that you got. People don't think about that. They're like, oh man, I'm buying it for four bucks. I'm selling it for 20 bucks. Oh, okay. So I've got, I got a huge margin in there. But when you actually do all the numbers, you might be upside down. And there's been people that go, you know what? I don't know what's going on. My bank account keeps getting smaller and smaller, but I'm selling a lot of product and they don't do the numbers. And you're like, you're losing money because you're not factoring everything in. No, you're you're right. It's one of the biggest mistakes, new sellers. Uh, I was going to ask, what's one of your, uh, I mean, we're talking about all these new sellers coming in and, and not factoring things in, but what's one of your top strategies for 2017 that you think everybody should be focused on? Well, so I think there's probably like, maybe three areas that I'd, I'd focus on. The first one, it's really the lifeblood of this business, and that's traffic. 
So once you get a product up and live, and this is for a new seller, even existing sellers that are out there too, traffic really rules this game, um, not just quantity, but quality. And I think that everyone struggles because you kind of get, you freeze up thinking that, you know what, I, I'm running Amazon sponsored ads and, um, you know, doing maybe a little bit here and there, but I'm just not getting very many people to see my product. And they don't realize that there's a ton of other traffic out there that you can be getting. And I know we're all focused on conversion rates because we all want our search rankings to go up. But if you're sitting there and you're just not getting much traffic and you need to look at your reports, know your numbers, check and see how many people are looking at your product. But if, you know, every day, every week, if you're not getting traffic, then forget about conversion for a while. Just focus on getting traffic because here's the one thing that I learned early on with Amazon that opened my mind to the power of Amazon is that every time you get a customer to look at your product on Amazon, whether they buy or they don't buy that time, Amazon is going to retarget the crap out of them for the next week or so. And it opened our eyes. So we started getting traffic from all kinds of places. Uh, at the time, we we're doing some targeted Google AdWords traffic. Um, you can still get, and like, like for example, mobile traffic does not convert well on Amazon. But if you can get that customer through a cheap mobile click, maybe 10 or 15 cents, Amazon's still going to retarget them wherever that customer logs in, whether it's their desktop or, you know, their iPad or whatever, they're still going to retarget them and you have a chance of getting that sale, just not that day, maybe a week down the road. Mm. So we, we get traffic from all kinds of places. We do a lot of social media traffic, whether it's Facebook is probably our number three traffic. You know, we have Amazon internal traffic systems, which is sponsor products and AMS. Uh, we have then Google, which we still go out there and get some targeted traffic. Then Facebook is probably our third biggest one. And then we make sure that every single day we're getting some traffic from our other social media sites, such as Pinterest, uh, Instagram, and then also YouTube. I mean, video is just a great way. I mean, it's so simple to create a review video of your product and to get some traffic out of that. It's, it, it's dead simple. And all those things boost your ranking. Yeah. So I think traffic and I think a diversity of traffic is probably the number one thing new sellers and old sellers alike should be focusing on. And I remember the very first mastermind I attended, there was a guy by the name of Goher Chaudhry there, and he's a big traffic guy. It does a lot of called pay-per-view advertising um, and display advertising, that way of putting it also. But he, he once said that if you think that if you're having a problem getting traffic to your product and there's just not enough traffic out there, you're just not looking hard enough because I guarantee you there are, you know, you're getting one to 5% of the traffic that you could be getting for your product. You just need to start expanding your reach and getting traffic in other areas. And don't, and again, if you're not getting enough traffic right now and you're worried about conversion rates, forget about conversion for now. Just go get traffic because you will get extra sales and Amazon's going to retarget them and those sales will come in with a delayed time effect on them. Is there a limit to how much you'll pay per click when you're looking for all this traffic? Um, you know, I would say arbitrarily the limit has got to be about a buck to a buck and a half. Um, and that's the very, very, very high end of it. On average, I like to keep our cost per click between 35 and 50 cents. Where do you find? I think you can get a lot of good traffic there. Where do you, where do you find the cheapest traffic uh, right now? Where have you seen it? Uh, AdWords Mobile is the cheapest traffic. Um, the frustrating thing about it and about almost all these different traffic systems out there is that it's, you can't really track conversions. Yeah. Um, the, you know, now I'll tell you one thing you can though, and, and I, and I teach this in the Amazon, you know, advanced product marketing course. If you're willing to send traffic to your brand page for a while, instead of your product listing, you can track that traffic. You can actually come up with a link that's specific to that traffic channel, whether it's, you know, a Google ad, a Facebook ad, a Pinterest ad, Pinterest, YouTube, send it to your brand page and they'll tell you how many convert. 
It's a landing page on Amazon. So the good thing about that is that your let's think about Google for a second. Your quality score is very good because Amazon's such a strong site. Mm-hmm. So it's not like sending them to your own e-commerce site, which we do that too because we're trying to grow that. But sending them to your brand page, you're right. It's one more click. I'll tell you what we do then, man. Here's my other like kind of advice. Once we find out what traffic is converting the best or what links are converting the best on our brand page, then we move that over and start sending that traffic directly to our product detail page. Because just like what you said, it's another link. I don't like that. I just want to see which ones convert the best. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to start sending them straight to our product page because those convert much better than straight to the landing page. Do you handle the Pinterest and all the social media type places um, available? Or I'm sorry, um, any, any kind of social media. Do you do this yourself or do you actually source that out? Yeah, we're still doing that ourselves. And that's something that I, I probably need to get better at and, and kind of give up the reins on. But there's one thing that I enjoy doing and think that, you know, everyone needs to do until they feel that they're really good at it. It's the, the marketing. The marketing is definitely one piece that I want to hold on to for now mm-hmm. until I can find chunks to give off to other people. Yeah, that's always tough. What about YouTube videos? Uh, you, you, you were saying you do a review. Do you do that in, in-house as well? Um, we do that in-house and we've just started using a couple of companies and I'll, I'll just throw them out there. I mean, sure. one is called cold box films. They're really good at it. Um, and also another one, uh, that just for like product photography is called ProductPhotography.com. Those people do really good, uh, just images for your products. So not so much video, but, um, there, there's several other companies that are out there that are starting to do product review videos, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, those are great. The quality is much better. You don't want it to be too professional, but you want it to look better than if it's me sitting there with my iPhone. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, but but still, even uh, uh, you know, if you can't afford to do that and outsource it, start off small. Who, who cares about going out there and spending a couple hundred bucks on a video? Do your own. Just make it a, a normal review. I think some of the best ones we had early on were me just you know filming my brother opening up our product and trying it out and posting it as a review. No sell, no talk about the price, no discounts, just mm-hmm. showing people the product. Because it's an unboxing sort of, right? It, exactly. You know, I think a lot of the savvy, and well, a lot of just regular Amazon customers, the first thing they do um, is when they're looking at a product is they're going to Google it. And video, by its nature, usually comes up as one of the first results for any product. They're going to Google your brand name. So make sure you have a brand name channel on YouTube. And they're going to find some good, you know, they're going to look at some videos. Mm -hmm. And if it looks halfway decent, you've just doubled your chances of making that sale. It's so simple to do. Do you advertise on YouTube as well? To drive have not done that yet. No, okay. No, we have not. I want to. It's on the the my ever increasing size (laughs) list. I haven't done it yet. What about FameBit? Have you ever used that? No, I have not used it. Heard some good things about it. I've heard the quality might have went down now that they've been, you know, uh, kind of inundated with people professing to be uh, experts. Yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, so it's kind of a hit or miss with them. For those of you that are not familiar with FameBit, it allows you to go get an influencer, somebody who already has a YouTube channel, and then you can um, get them to review your product. And hopefully if you do your research and you find the right mix, uh, the right or right match, I should say, you'll actually get some sales from their their subscriber base. And um, it might actually pay for, you know, the, the actual cost of actually getting that video. Now, what would be your single best tip that you can give any seller that's going to help their their business grow? Oh, I, I was just like actually talking to some folks last week about this. And, you know, everyone always wants to really increase their sales on Amazon. I know that's the easiest and fastest way to grow this business. But my best single tip that we have found over the past, I don't know, three or four months, because, again, this is a year that we've expanded launching other markets. We're also building on our e-commerce site. There is a a small hidden treasure if you have your own e-commerce site, whether it's Shopify or big commerce, whatever. But I would create a very simple 
e-commerce site that's standalone. Uh, first off, that's going to help increase your brand awareness for the customers because, again, they're going to Google you. If you have your own brand website, that makes you look better and more credible. Then I would make sure um, I would do a very simple Shopify site, which is kind of what we've done. And I would also set up something called product listing ads with Google. And so few companies are doing this because all of us are focused on selling on Amazon. Well, if you just sell on Amazon, you can't take advantage of those Google shopping ads in the name form. You've seen those, right, Manny, when you Absolutely. type in a product? Yep. Yeah. You have to have your own e-commerce store. Now, we set up a Shopify store, and I'll tell you what, all of our products are fulfilled by Amazon. We don't have another fulfillment center. There's an, Shopify comes with an interface to connect to your FBA account, so there's no additional work there. And once you have your products listed in Shopify, you can then create a Google merchant account and list all your products uh, so that you're going to show up in the shopping ads. And those, not only are those ads you know, cheaper than a normal click for a search-based click, they convert better too. Hmm, um, and then the, the last thing, and I made this mistake early on this year because I, at first I started off with them thinking, wow, this is going to be great. We're going to have these, you know, these Google shopping ads. I'm going to make all this money, increase our sales by 20%. And they weren't working very well. And then I realized what we had done is when we created our product listings in Shopify, we had just taken exactly what was on our Amazon listings and copied it over. And if you think about that, we're also focused on following Amazon's rules and making sure our pictures look the way they need to, make sure that our listings don't say anything they shouldn't. Well, on your own website, you're in control of that. You don't have to worry about that as much. I mean, you don't want to make any false claims, but you absolutely can jazz up your own e-commerce website listings and really make them more appealing through visually and also textually by what you write. And, and what you write. And then another thing also is in those listings and inside Shopify, I think most things had this, you can also update a product listing so that's more SEO optimized. So when a customer clicks on your product listing ad and they go to your shopping site and they pull it up, it may say one thing in the title, a very nice title and description for your product. But, you know, and so it's, you know, the, the text and the ad copy is very appealing to a buyer. But you also have SEO listings where you can make the title of it and the description of it more SEO optimized. And we found that by going in there and really optimizing our listings just for SEO, it's increased our sales for the product listing ads too. So it's, it's a really interesting, neat way to go out there and get ex extra sales. And then lastly, I'm sorry, I know I keep going on about this one because I'm pretty excited about it. Um, you add in retargeting and those Google merchant and product listing ads really start paying for themselves and turn profitable very, very quickly. Okay, so you're retargeting on, on uh, Google. And yeah, yeah, Google display ads retargeting. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's a good tip. Do you find that the conversion rate um, from people sending people directly to your Shopify store is uh, massively different than if they're going to your Amazon page? You know, um, yeah, it is, unfortunately. Um, it's a much lower conversion rate. Uh, but the, the one thing you can't really tell, Manny, is that if people do go to your own shopping site and they don't buy there, you don't know how many people then go to Amazon, look for a better price and buy there. Right, yeah, it's a good um, point. And we, and, yeah, that, that's what I think. I always think there's these, you know, kind of dark sales that are out there you get, you can't track. Um, and anywhere that I can get our brand name out there on a different, you know, piece of property on the internet, um, I look at it as just building our brand and it's most likely helping our Amazon sales. Yeah. This is why I love talking to you, Mike, because you always think outside the box. You're like, okay, nobody's <laughs> doing this or nobody's doing that. So, you know, there's no data, right, until you do it. And then you're like, oh man, this is actually working. So <laughs> that's cool. You've actually created some training courses. You get invited to speak. You know, you're a good speaker, good trainer, good teacher. So what do you got going on right now? Yeah, so I have two courses that are out right now and a few more to come. Um, so the first one I have is called Amazon Traffic Blitz, and that's actually 
partially the presentation you saw down at the amazing event in Austin. Uh, and this is the process for launching any product, how to go out there and get it optimized, uh, what, where's the best place to get traffic, to get sales, and to get consistent sales going for anywhere from four to seven days in order to move your product up in the search rankings, which once you do that, then the organic sales start coming in. So that course walks you through step A to step Z on how to launch any product. Exi existing uh, products also work well for this. You can relaunch them. Takes a little more work, uh, but you can definitely relaunch them using this course too. And it walks you through there. I am, by the way, in the process of updating that based on the content from my uh, my my presentation down in Austin. Just haven't finished up up yet. Mm -hmm. uh, then the other course is called Advanced Product Marketing on Amazon, and this is the course that you and I were talking about earlier, where it shows you how to get access to Amazon marketing services. And even to this date. I would say, I don't know, 90% of FBA sellers don't have an Amazon marketing services account, nor do they know that they can get one. Um, it's an entirely new set of traffic. It's all internal on Amazon, people searching for your products, they're just seeing your different uh, ads show up, whether it's under another product, whether that's at the very top of search results. It's a way to get your brand and products out there on a completely new platform that very few people are using. And in order to get access to it, though, you have to apply for something called Vendor Express and apply for it in a very specific way in order for it to open up Amazon Marketing Services. So that course walks you through how to do that and then how to use it. Um, I'm also coming out with a couple new courses in the next 30 to 60 days. I, I'm not really going to call these full-blown courses. They're kind of mini courses. Uh, one is going to be on Amazon Lightning Deals, how to take advantage of them. We've done a lot of testing because we've been vendors using Lightning Deals for a long time. And now that they're open to FBA sellers, I have some tips and tricks that I want to share with people on how to get the most out of Lightning Deals. So I'm going to have a short little mini course on that. And then, oh, this is my favorite one, Manny. I'm going to have a short little course on Amazon Giveaways. Uh, I think more people are starting to hear about this, but I don't know if they quite understand the power of an Amazon giveaway and what it can do for you on multiple fronts. And like you said earlier, thinking outside of the box, this is probably the one area that I've looked at. It's definitely not intended to be used the way that we're using it, but you can have some fantastic results and really boost your rankings of your products on Amazon by using an Amazon giveaway the correct way. And that should be out there within the next 30 to 60 days. Awesome. Why are you so lazy? That's all you've got? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. So if people want to get a hold of you, uh, what's the best way of reaching out to you? Uh, best way is just on Facebook. Shoot me an invite here. Uh, also, they can go and send me a message uh, inside of the amazing.com where my courses are listed there. Uh, we monitor the community boards there every day. Um, I mean, there may be some days, right? It may take me like one or two days to get back with people, but I'm actually having some people help me with that now to make sure I stay up to date. But um, Facebook also uh, in the forums inside of amazing.com under my courses. That way I know the context around their question and issue. And I try to get back to everyone within a day or two. Cool. Mike McClary, you've been awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. This has been fantastic information. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Manny. I appreciate it. And uh, hey, like I said uh, uh, the other day, I'm just getting into the uh, Helium tools, also Helium 10 tools, and loving them so far. Uh, we've only just scratched the surface. We've only just used the misspelling one and already seen some great opportunities there. So uh, I can't imagine that we're trying this one little part. And I'm looking forward to using the whole suite of tools. So I appreciate you kind of turning me on to that. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. So thanks for the plug. That was uh, unexpected. So, well, thank you, Mike. We'll uh, talk really soon then. You've been listening to the AMPM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider, insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.